What has been a delight this year? What has been tough this year? What has been a delight? What has been tough? If you're an introvert, here is where you look forward. Don't look to the left or to the right because someone's going to catch your eyes and come over. I'm just joking. Awesome. I just want to pray before we get on the word this morning. Father, you are really a great father. You do not leave us orphans. You make us your children. You help us. This morning, help us, Lord, in our minds and in our hearts to grasp and conceive some of the things that can bring us nearer to you. Even our understanding, our ability to grasp you is a grace from you. And we want to thank you for having unlimited amounts of grace to lavish upon your children this morning so that we can fall in love with you even more. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just want to say, I don't know if it's if it's only happened uh, to me, but my bril, my leesbril, het flerke gekry <clears throat> en het weggevlieg. It has happened to my car keys as well in the past. It's really a mystery. Is it only me? Has it happened to anyone in this room where stuff just like grows wings and they go? <laughs> it's only me. It's only me. So I just want to say, I'm not trying to be cool this morning if I wear this. This is just a little bit of a shaded version of my reading glasses. So have grace on me. Otherwise, I might, by accident, read out of Revelation where it's not where I'm preaching on this morning. But I'm going to try and take this off every now and then. I don't want to distract you. Hendrik and myself, we're going to focus the next three weeks, starting right now, on a little bit of a theme that we, that we have felt. And the best way to describe it this week when we were sitting with this was the word nearer. Going to the end of the year, for some of us, things speed up really fast before they slow down. And for some of us, they've already slowed down before it gets crazy chaotic, especially if you've got a house in Hermanus, okay, and you are new around here, okay, if this is, whose first year is it in Hermanus? Okay, so I just want to tell you, if you don't know this, the whole family is on their way, 
Okay, and they've not told you this, but just be ready. So, so be ready or go, or flee, you know. <laughs> so I don't know if we, if we ever get rest. Um, but one thing we, we want is to be near, is to be near to him. I remember as a student, uh, the December holidays was the time where everyone backslid. <laughs> and then everyone came back to faith in January. Uh, because we, we couldn't deal with scattering away from a church that supported us as students. One thing we really want over this time is to be near to the Lord and, and build on that. Isn't that true? And I was just thinking about it and thinking about my own life. I just want to share one, a couple of loose thoughts before we get into this. I, I sometimes feel nearer to God when I've got it all together. I don't know about you. You know, when I, when I get my daily rhythms down, when I get to bed the time I want to, when I wake up at the time I want to, and I get to read the Word, I feel close. I'm like, yeah, I've got this down. Um, funny enough, I also feel nearer to God when my budget don't go into overdraft, okay, because that can set me off in some kind of stress as well. I want to be, I want that to be in control as well. I feel nearer to God when there's not a whole lot of relational turmoil in my life. When all these things like works, I, I feel I work in a way, in a, in a good sense. I feel things work out, but Here's the thing, life, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So, so, so I am not even in control how many hours a night I get to sleep. doesn't matter what time I go to bed because I've got three children. And by the way, mom went with the ladies somewhere this week and two nights ago, the, my youngest one was crying for mom for two hours. And it's one thing I can't help with. I can bring tea, I can change nappies, but I can't be mom. We're not so much in control in this life. That might be a funny story, but the same is true for life. We tend to lose control in areas we'd love to keep it. And it unsettles us. But how do we keep a nearness to the Lord right through our life? It's a good question to ask. It's a, and a very relative question. How do we go near? How do we get nearer? What are these things that you like to work, but sometimes you're like, oh, this is not working? What are the areas you, you, you feel when you've got this right, you feel like you thrive, but you know every now and then it doesn't work like that? How do I keep a nearness to the Lord in such times? This morning you're going to sing a song out of 1841. I'm just giving you a heads up. Is a little bit older than the oldest person here. Who knows who this woman is? Sarah Flower Adams. Is there anyone? Jim, say that, say that nice and loud. Nearer, my God. To thee, nearer to thee. Yeah. Now, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Now, this woman used to be an actor. But her rhythms got broken because she fell ill. And, and that which she almost, in one sense, built a life upon did not work out as she planned. She became famous for playing a role in a breakthrough Shakespeare production, actually. She fell ill. She became weak. 
And she gave her heart and the time to writing poems and music. There's always a way. Isn't that true? There's always another road than the one I think is the only one. And her pastor wanted to preach on a specific passage that I'm going to preach on this morning. And he was looking for a song to go with it. And he went to her. He said, will you help me? And, and, and Salma Hymns has got long stories, like Horatio Spafford's whole family. What was that? Uh, it is well with my soul. It's a, it's a long story. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a song that came out of grief, out of prayer. But this song came in a couple of days because in the week the pastor shared with her what he wanted to preach on. But by the grace of God, she wrote the song, Nearer My God to Thee, for him for that Sunday. That's incredible. You've got a couple of days and people still know about it. <laughs> like 100 years, almost 200 years off. That's incredible skill. So let's read together the passage. I'm going to put my shades on. Yeah, okay. And, and let's read the passage that was read in that congregation in 1841. And we're going to ask ourselves, how do I get near? How does nearness work? Now, just before I get into verse 10, we, we are dealing with Jacob. <laughs> I've heard a pastor once said that we relate, people relate well with Jacob because he's got as many problems as what we have each one. It doesn't matter what your problem is. In one way or another, I think Jacob resembles that. We're going to deal in, testing one, two. We're going to deal in verse 10 with a Jacob that flees his family because he cheated his brother twice, misled his father while his mother helped him with that, stole his brother's physical and spiritual inheritance by deceiving him. His brother says, as soon as my dad dies, I'm going to kill that man. That's what Esau said of Jacob. His mother, who loves him and helped to get him into trouble, pushes him out the door and says, run. And he goes, are you talking about a man where rhythms are broken, relationships are broken, future are uncertain? Then Jacob is your guy. And he's, he's here to help us this morning. Well, he's not really there in that sense, sorry. I don't want to be doctrinally weird. This morning through the text, we're going to learn of Jacob some lessons about nearness. So let's read together. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Where did he arrive? Nowhere. That place had no name. Okay. Even Pitson of Water has a name. Again, you can park your car there and know where you are. The sun goes down and he's at some place. He's on a journey, uncertain about what would happen that night. And he goes to sleep that night. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. 
Now, when, when you take a stone to sleep on, it, what does it say about your condition? What does it say about you? It, it says you're in a dire situation. That's what it says. It says you don't even have some kind of a jacket or something to fold and put it under your head. It says you are poor. You've got no one to ask for a pillow, a pillow because you are alone. This is a man alone on the run with a broken heart and uncertain future that needs nearness of some kind desperately. Maybe you felt like him in the past or maybe this morning. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth or a stairway, and the top of it reached the heaven. And behold, this is now the dream, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it or beside it, some translations would say, or beside him, and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. He was not alone that night. And I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place without a name. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? Why was he afraid? The man's eyes just got opened. He saw angels ascending and descending. And, and in the Bible, it's only in movies where people like angels must tell us they're angels. In the Bible, when there's an angel, there's a sense of glory and fear because the presence of God are being carried by angels. God did not reveal himself to Moses in a full sense or he would die. Here this man sees not one angels, but choirs of angels moving. He's afraid. He's in awe. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Very important phrase for us. This is the gate of heaven. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone, the sign of his affliction that he had under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. You see what this man does? This is not my sermon, but he, he takes the sign of his affliction and makes it the instrument of worship. Puts oil on top of it. He will also then give that place a name, Bethel. Nearer. Nearer. 
What does Jacob have for us this morning? It's quite a simple story uh, or account to follow. So I'm just going to touch on a verse here and there. And then we'll have a moment in prayer together. In verse 17, it says, And he was afraid after seeing the stairway. A ladder is not a great interpretation because on a ladder, you've got one person can move. A stairway is a better interpretation because you had choirs and choirs of angels moving up and down. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the, what is he on to? What is he saying? He is speaking a language that we find earlier in Genesis. Where? Genesis 11. A group of men comes together, a society, and they say, we're going to build a ladder. We're going to build a stairway. Babylon, Babel, the gate of heaven, same words, the gate of God. We're going to build, we're going to build our stairway. And we're going to build it from the earth. And it will finish in the skies. And we will take our sacrifices and the God must listen to us. We will build it. We will be relentless. When we walk up our staircase, surely the gods will hear. Because of our effort because of our unity, because of our power, because of our pride, because of what we have done, they will listen and give heed to us. All the rich people will live closer and the influencers to the place where you start the journey. The steps would go around and around. And those who are not connected, those who are poor, will be pushed very far away. They'll get limited chance to walk up to heaven, if at all. And God was unpleased. And he scattered them. We fast forward. We find a man, the poorest of them all. He's not disconnected from the society. There's no one. He's all alone. He's not alone. And with at least positive thoughts about his family, he's on the run from those who are closest to him. One could argue his mother loves him, but that doesn't help right now because his mother lives with his father and his brother, and that's where the trouble is. And then he dreams about how the gate of heaven really works. And what he realizes is that the gate of heaven, the stairway from heaven, is not a place that man builds to God. It is a place that God extends from the heavens to the earth even to the poorest and the loneliest of all like himself. And he says, this is the gate of heaven. Isn't that incredible? And God speaks to him and says, behold, I'm with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring back to you you back to this land, for I will not leave you. Even when a rock is your pillow, you might feel deserted, yet I am with you. Because it is not your gate that extends to me, it's my stairways that extends to you. 
You are not alone. In the weakest of your moments, you're not alone. That's how the gate of heaven works. It's open towards you. It's not closed. So there was a man who did a very prophetic thing. He was on a vessel that said, not even God can sink this ship. And it only took some ice. And the proudest of crews and the proudest of engineers had to stomach how the Titanic sunk. But even in the weakest of moments, even after blaspheming the Lord, there was a man with his ensemble that did what? Even as the ship was sinking, God was whispering through these men who played on their stringed instruments, nearer my God to thee. You see, we think when we are strong, we are nearer to him. We think when the rhythms are perfect, we go to bed the right time, wake up the right time. We've got everything sorted. God is right here. I feel confident. Now I can preach the gospel. It doesn't work like that with God. Those times are great. Those times are glorious. But it's even in our weakest of moments that God comes into our lives and lifts us up. And I hope that this is encouragement for people this morning. And Wallace Hartley and his, I think the whole band died with the last song that they played was that. And so maybe there were some Christians there, some families that could remember and could find peace before their last moments. The first thing I want to say about nearer is God loves us first. He comes to us first. And we go to that next one. God loves us first. What that means, it, it is not us who finds him first. God loves first. We respond after. This is the order of the kingdom. Romans 5 is that he showed his love for us while we were still sinners. We're still walking away. We're still pushing away. The son comes to die. Isn't that incredible? In saving mankind, we don't see a human climbing up the Tower of Babel or ascending on a jet to God to go and get the key so that we can get in, we see the sun coming down to earth. We see the word becoming flesh. You see, God comes down to us. He writes himself into our story, becomes humble, and he loves in a way that is complete and full, fully knowing that not everyone will love him back. He comes. And this is important to know because this is a big part of the battle one. If you're sitting here and you've got many problems, here's one that's not, not a problem anymore. God loves you and he's near. There's maybe some other things that's got to do with repentance. <laughs> And you turning, but let me tell you one thing. This is the gate of heaven. God is near. Amen.
the first way we get nearer is to know how this works in the kingdom. A kingdom has invaded your space while you were asleep on a rock. But it doesn't stop there. It does need a response. We're going to get to that now. Now, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, but I did not know it. The Lord is in this place and, and, and I did not know it. What is he saying? What he is saying is that there has been time until that moment where God was right there showing faithfulness, having a flow of a stare into his life, but he's unaware of it. He's got his face turned somewhere else. God has been faithful, but I have been unaware. And it's almost, I, I don't know, because I can't say that that's not in Scripture, but it's almost like, I was meditating obviously a lot on this this week, it's almost like for me that the faith of his father became his own. It's like, he knew all about God, he knows the stories, but here he's like, it's almost like it opens up, like the heavens open up in his dream, and he realizes. Oh. And sometimes that needs to happen to us. Isn't that true? So the second thing about getting nearer is that we are invited now to draw near. He has drawn near. Now it's me. And, and the dark ages of the church, there was an assignment of the enemy to, to steal this nearness from the people. There was a distance between the pulpit and the pews. And what the priest told the people is that God is far. Unless you bring a lot of money and a lot of sacrifice, you can manipulate him to come down the stairs. And it's not true. There was a saying, when a cling in the coffin springs, a soul from, no, when a cling, when a coin in the coffin clings, a soul from hell springs. They ask people to pay for the salvation of the dead. God is so far. He's so far. And then there was people who didn't have a lot of money. They were poor. In one sense, they had their neck on a stone and with no hope for them and their families. And the assignment of the enemy was to divorce the church from God. Martin Luther helped us with that. But God is not far like that. Amen? He's near. Jeremiah 29 says, now you will call Then you will call upon me and come to pray, and I will hear you. Why? He's right here. And you will seek me, and you will find me. He says, well, right here. When you seek me with all your heart. Now, even in James 4 verse 8, because some of you are smart, you're already there. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, right? Just reverse five verses before it gets there. It says, he yearns jealously over the spirit which he has placed in you. In capital letters, God has drawn near. In lowercase letters, you draw near. 
Okay? Scripture is sometimes nuanced, works together. We love because he first loved us. When Jesus washed the feet of Judas, <laughs> physically, he, was, he wasn't near. Okay, on Google Maps, it would have been two dots, like on one another, like in location. It was right there, but Judas was galaxies away. Galaxies. And so in the same way, sometimes, sometimes, maybe in my life and in yours, God is there at work, but, but I am galaxies away in my heart. And what Jacob comes to encourage us with is that God is near, but sometimes I'm not aware of it. But with a change in the, in the face of my heart, I will realize, oh, he's here, and I can take courage. Isn't that a great encouragement this morning? Amen, Amen Jim. You're excited this morning, like me. <laughs> Jim came all the way from America to build me up here. Thanks, Jim. You know, sometimes, sometimes the feast is right there. But to get real close to what's on the table, you have to put it in. You have to open that mouth. It's right there. Amen? So too often the heart must turn its face to a God that's there. That's what Jacob teaches us. We are invited to draw near. It's not always easy because sometimes drawing near means repenting. It means changing the course. It means changing a part of the life. I'm not saying it doesn't come with a cost. I'm just saying it's, it's there for the taking. But there is a cross to be taken up. Amen? But the problem is not that God is alien and far. That's not the problem. The problem might be the stiffness of my heart. It might be the hardness of my heart. It might be my stubbornness. It might be my endurance in going off course. But it's not that God has pulled back in a way that I cannot turn my heart back to him. And that's important to know for nearness. Because when it comes to nearness with the Lord, the ball is in your court. And the ball is in my court. That's it. He has moved. Amen. We're almost done. Jesus wraps up this conversation. It starts in Babel, Tower of Babel. And Jacob has something to say about the, the gates of heaven. And then Jesus closes it up for us. He meets a man called Nathaniel in John 1, and he surprises this man who was a skeptic. And Jesus says, no, I know about you. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. No one knows what no one knows what happens there, what happened there, because Scripture doesn't tell us. But whatever it is, it was something precious or personal for this man. And when Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree, he responds in verse 49. He says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, 
Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly. Now, now read with me very carefully here. I say to you, you will see heaven opened. And the angels of God will do what? Ascend and descend on what stair? They will ascend and they will descend on the Son of Man. And what he's saying is, I am the gate of heaven. I am the staircase. Who will ascend to the Lord? No one. He will descend to us. And heaven rolled down the ladder. And the word became flesh. And he says many things to help us with that. He says, I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. What it means for us is we want to be near to the Lord. If, if I want to be near to him, I must be very intimate with the cross. And intimacy with the cross is the most precious place, but it might also be one of the hardest places to live because it means constant course correction. Repentance. Sorry, Lord. Enjoying his presence, realizing often how I go, of course. But you see, he's the gate of heaven on which heaven ascends and descends and invades our world. Isn't that incredible? God loves us first. His kingdom came and comes to us. We are invited to draw near. And Jesus is the gate of heaven. That's what we can learn about Jacob when he felt all alone and disconnected. And I feel maybe this morning, maybe there's someone here that, that says, yeah, but not me. You don't know what I've done. It's specifically for you, <laughs> this message. Specifically. There was also a man that lived in the tombs. He was full of demons. Jesus went over the sea to get to him. When Jesus got there, the man could run to Jesus. He's already there. He's already gotten out of the boat. He's open. Isn't that incredible? So I, I want us to sing together this morning. Hendrik and Jennifer is going to sing us a song. That was first sung in 1841, excuse me. Just because a pastor wanted a, a moment of, of worship in singing to go with his sermon. And then was played again on a sinking vessel. And, and so my heart is that we sing it as a prayer and almost being aware of the stones we, are, we have under our necks at the moment. Because he's right there. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Let's, let's sing together. You can stay seated this morning.
God, let's stand this morning before the Lord. I just want to ask the facilitators and people that join intercession to quickly come to the front because we want to pray for some people today on their journey. We, I have faith that today will be a Bethel moment for some people that it feels lost, but you'll realize it's actually the place where God is wanting to work with you at the moment. Let's get some more facilitators to the front, please. If you are here, just step out quickly. Great. close our eyes for a moment where are you at at the moment because if you feel like you've got your head on the stone then I want to encourage you to take a step this morning to receive prayer, to receive ministry to experience God's nearness in your life and for someone to help you respond to that So just where you are at this morning, maybe just start by saying, Lord, I commit my journey to you. Just give you my full journey. I give you my life. Maybe a prayer that you can pray this morning is say, Lord, help me to pour oil on the stone that I'm sleeping on. What is this thing in your life that you see as a curse, but it could be the very thing that turns your heart to the Lord. So Lord, I bring this before you. This is tough for me. I just want to ask you to take a step of faith. Sometimes movement is needed. Sometimes drawing near requires actually drawing near and, and moving. And If you just want the Lord to help you through to see clearly and to help you through. I'm going to count to three and I just want you to quickly come to the front because we want to pray with you. One, two, three. Let's move. Thank you so much. Thank you for that faith. Quickly come to the front if that's you. Just come and stand here and face me. Someone's going to pray with you. Maybe this is all you need right now. Face this way. To some ladies facilitators, please. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else we can help you take a step? It's one way we can love you this morning. It's to embody the presence of the Lord because you are not alone. He's with you. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else? I'm just being patient. Also, if you feel often like Jesus is close, he's right there at your feet, but your heart feels galaxies away, come to the front. We want to pray with you for an open heart that you can connect with him again. Thank you. Thank you for your faith. Thank you so much. Okay. Now, what I want us to do, there's no spectators here. So I want us to take a seat for another couple of minutes and just ask someone, what has the journey been like the last while? Has it been tough? Has it been easy? And if you want to, you can offer to pray with that person and just be 
the hands and feet of God for that moment. What's the road been like the last while? Please ask someone.
Thank you everyone for your patience and your worship and your taking part this morning. I want to formally dismiss you. Please grab some coffee, some tea. Please fellowship. You're also welcome to stay and pray a bit longer. God bless you and see you soon. The next two weeks we'll be continuing with the theme nearer.